to love and all the things that everyone does. And I really appreciate that. We're in 1 Corinthians. We've been studying through this, and we pick up in chapter 9. If you remember in chapter 8, he dealt with liberties that they may have, but sometimes for the sake of the gospel, in order to win souls, it's wise and needful to sometimes give up what we are allowed to do so that we don't place a stumbling block before our brother. And then he gave a few examples in the earlier part of chapter 9, how that he had the right to be married, he had the right to be paid for preaching and not take a regular job, and yet he didn't always use those rights. And so now as we're talking, uh, we pick up in verse 19, he says, in chapter 9, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Think about what Paul is saying here. There's things he's allowed to do. He knows he's free. He's able. There are things that are not wrong. He understands what those are, and yet he doesn't always exercise those. Why? While he considers himself free, he considers he's become willingly a servant to all. That word servant there actually means slave. It's a willingness, though. It's not, it's not something forced. Now, that's an attitude that we need to grapple with. We need to try to bring into our life as a Christian. You know, we may tend to have a, a, a mindset that you can't make me do anything that I don't have to do. You can't make me. You're not my dad. You know, I've got freedom. I'm an American. So here are things I'm allowed to do. Freedom's important to me, and it is. But am I always exercising that freedom in every single situation? Or are there sometimes where it's wise to indenture myself to other people? To make myself obligated to serve others? It's not that I feel like I have to, but I want to. And that's what Paul is saying here. And the reason he does this, he says in verse 19, that I might gain the more. Notice how many times he makes this point. In verse 19, he says, I'm doing what I do or I am foregoing my rights for this purpose. And that is that I might save souls. Verse 20, that I might gain the Jews. Verse 22, that I might gain those that are without law. Verse 
verse 21 rather, verse 22, that I might gain the weak and that I might save some. Verse 23, for the gospel's sake and that I can be a partaker. They can be a partaker with me. Notice again and again he's repeating this idea. This is why I do what I do. This is why I don't do some of the things that I'm allowed to do. It's for the sake of the gospel and for saving souls. Now, that's the question I've got to ask myself. Do I have this attitude? Do you have this attitude? Are there things that you know is not wrong in and of itself? But are you willing to refrain from it in certain situations if it means it'll allow you to be more effective to allow you to be able to speak to someone and it may cause them to hear you and so that they don't have this hindrance or stumbling block that prevents them from being able to hear the gospel and be saved? Or do I have the mentality, well, I'm allowed to do it, so I'm just going to do it regardless of the outcome. We, we really ought to have more of this attitude that Paul had. Now, he gives a clarification, okay? Uh, there are some misapplications that some probably would take this section, you know, where he says he becomes all things to all men. He gives three examples. To the Jews, I become a Jew. To those that are without the law, well, what would that be? That would be the Gentiles. He doesn't say that specifically. That's who he's talking about. The Gentiles did not have the law of Moses. So he is becoming like them in their situation in order to win them. Okay, and then he gives the example of those that are weak. Well, he doesn't mean weak as in their, their weaklings. Weak here actually means weak in conscience or they have a tender conscience. And in this context of, of liberties, I believe that's what he's referring to. Sometimes there are people who are unsure about whether a thing is right or wrong. And so in their mind, they have a scruple where they would just prefer to refrain from some activity because they're unsure whether it's okay or permitted. We all probably have these. Each of us, in certain situations, may have our own opinions. Now, we've got to be careful not to impose our opinions on other people. Just because I would think it's better for me to refrain from an activity or a certain thing because I'm unsure whether God is pleased with this or not doesn't always mean I need to force you to be like me in every decision that I have. There's some individuality here we need to allow for. Okay. So there are some abuses that you could do here. But you as a, a, a worker in Christ, could you learn something from this principle that he's saying that you could become like each of these groups of people for their sake in order to win them to the gospel. That's what it's all about. Whether it's a Jew, whether it's a Gentile, or whether it's somebody who has a weak conscience on an issue. Do you have to always do what you think is okay to do in every situation? Now, first, let's sh uh, let me deal with some poor applications of this. Because uh, sometimes I will hear people quote this section, and they'll, 
say, well, become all things to all men. Well, here, here, here's some very poor applications of that. He's not saying that you can be immodest in order to gain people who dress immodestly. Okay, He's not saying talk crudely and the way people of the world talk in order to try to win over people of the world. He's not saying be worldly to win the world. That, that would fly in the face of Jesus' admonition to be salt to the earth, to be light of the world. And we're not to be friends of the world. Okay, so the whole, the, there are scriptures that tell us not to be like everybody else. We're to be set apart. Being holy, set apart, is to not be like everybody else. So you can take this too far. This is not an end-all, be-all, blending in, being like the world, acting like the world, dressing like the world, doing whatever, you know. If a, if a culture is doing something that's wrong, he's not saying to do anything disobedient in order to win that person over. Okay. So any effort that somebody might make to say, it's okay to go into a bar to win drunkards, or it's okay to go to a gambling house to win people who are addicted to gambling, or, it's, or you know, you just name the, name the thing. If it's sinful or if it's disobedient to God, he's not saying it's okay to do that thing. Paul's not saying he does that. When Jesus ate with sinners, I don't believe he was involved in the sinner's activity. Okay? And neither was Paul. That's not what Paul is meaning. So he clarifies that to make that abundantly clear in verse 21. Look what he says. Here's the clarification. When he says he becomes like those who are without law, meaning the law of Moses, but he clarifies. He says, not being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. He's, he's, he's making it clear to G Gentiles who never had the law of Moses. Well, there were instructions in the law of Moses that were never intended for every nation of people for all times. It was intended for the Israelites till Jesus came and established his covenant. Okay? Paul's not going to expect a Gentile to keep Old Testament instructions that were never intended for us under the New Covenant. Okay? But he's not saying, when I go to these people who are without the law of Moses, that I'm being a law a lawbreaker of, of God's commandments. He's not being disobedient. He's not doing anything sinful, so that clarifies that. Now, the application really would be, well, the Gentiles were never commanded to abstain from certain kinds of meats. Now, think about that one for a moment. The Gentiles were never commanded to do the ceremonial things in the old law, to be circumcised. They were never commanded to do those things in the new covenant. Even whenever that discussion comes up, when the Jews wanted to bind those things, the Jewish Christians, they wanted to say, you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved. Paul withstood that because that, that wasn't taught. And, and then when they had this discussion in Acts 15 about those who wanted to try to bind those Old Testament instructions, uh, 
they had a disputation about that. And that was a serious thing, to not be imposing rules upon people that God didn't give under the new covenant. And so there were things that Gentiles did that under the old law, the Jews considered they're unclean, they're uncircumcised. And so some of those things and those activities for a time was considered anathema to them. It, you'd be cut off, okay? Well, when Paul's among the Jews, well, even though he knows it's okay now to not eat meat, there might be some occasions where Paul might refrain from some of those activities in order to be able to win them and gain them. But when he's under the Gentiles, if they are allowing eating of those meats that were considered unclean, well, he, he could go ahead and eat that. But there might also be other things that would be offensive to them that he doesn't have to do. So it's all about being, uh, this whole section really is about being unselfish. Me not demanding what I want to do, what I would rather do because that's the way I was raised or that's, that's what feels right good to me or that's the way my mom and daddy always did it. Maybe some tradition that we really liked, so I'm going to force that upon you. That's, that's, a, that's selfish, and we need to be careful about that. But also I need to be unselfish about giving up some things that I'm allowed to do foregoing those rights. But I need to be careful about not imposing all those on other people as well. So what Paul is really saying, here's the application, I think, is be adaptable for the, gospel, for the gospel's sake. Now, he's not saying adapt the gospel. <laughs> so you get that. He's not saying change the gospel message in order to win people. You can't do that. You can't win people to the gospel by changing the message. But if you can change yourself, forego your rights in order to try to win them to the gospel, then that's, what, uh, that's worth it. Now, another caveat. I don't think Paul is saying to be ingenuine either. I mean, some of this you could probably take too far. There's, there's always some mis misapplications of some of this as well. Trying to pretend to be somebody you're not is probably not going to be very effective either. So there's some limitations to what he's saying. When he says, I've become all things to all men. I don't know. Sometimes older people try to act cool like the younger people in order to win younger people and they end up looking goofy. Ask a young person and they will verify my point. Okay, so you can take some of this stuff too far. Be yourself, be who you are, be genuine, be the best version of yourself. But sometimes be adaptable for the sake of the gospel. But don't take that to anything that would cause you to be disobedient or to be uh, uh, wrong before God. And also be willing to confront at times. He's not saying he doesn't teach the truth tactfully in certain situations. What's he doing here? 
And what's he doing to Corinth, to the people in Corinth? He's confronting their problems and their things they're doing that are wrong. So he's not saying never be willing to have the confrontations that are needed. Okay. He's not saying to dismiss those. Now, a couple of applications we know Paul has done when you look at the book of Acts is on one occasion with Timothy, he had him circumcised. On another occasion with Titus, he absolutely refused. And so trying to reconcile some of this uh, application might be a challenge for us. Uh, but what I could say definitely is one application for trying to think of modern day applications would be, well, if there is someone who is unsure about eating certain kinds of meat, and I might think, and I might know, it's, I have a right to eat all meat. First Timothy 4. And nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. Jesus cleansed all foods. First, first, uh, or Acts chapter 10. God, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. So I, I believe that there's no unclean food. There's no clean and unclean foods like there were in the old covenant. I know that. But not everybody has that knowledge. And so if someone was doubting that and unsure of that, do I have to eat that meat in front of that person because I know I can? Maybe I like the meat. But can I forego that in order to try to win that person's soul? Yes, I can. I believe that is a application. Now, if you're trying to think of some other applications, some of this might become a little challenging. What I would like for you to do is maybe later, if you come over to our house, Give me some examples that you might would think of and how you might would apply this today. But I'd be interested in hearing your, uh, your thoughts on that. But now, reconcile something here a little bit. There were times where Jesus did things that seemed intentional against the traditions of the Jews. Okay, so again, there's a limitation of what Paul is saying. Well, I think some people could take his message here of becoming all things to all men, they could take it way too far. So reconcile that Jesus didn't, uh, he didn't wash his hands ceremonially before eating. Why didn't he just go ahead and wash his hands and not rock the boat? Why, why did he, in that circumstance say okay I am he, he just did not wash his hands or why did his disciples sometimes not fast but he said the time will come when they will fast but evidently they noticed a difference here there were things that he did on the Sabbath day that they thought by their interpretation that he broke the Sabbath I don't believe he broke the Sabbath but they thought he did by their interpretation why did he just not do those things why in those circumstances did he go against some of the culture of his day well sometimes it's because of their imposing of their traditions above God's commandments and there are sometimes where that needs to be confronted as Jesus did but there are other times like where Paul is giving here 
where it's wiser to forego what we're allowed to do. Again, I would like to hear your, uh, your thoughts on what's a good application and what's not. But there's the principle. The principle is to gain the souls of people. I don't recommend that if a woman were to visit Saudi Arabia that she dress like an American woman. That would probably get you hurt. And so I would just recommend don't do that. There's some things in some cultures that would be viewed as very offensive that might not be viewed as offensive at all here. And so being aware of some of those things uh, might help us be a little bit more effective. But again, we are who we are in other ways. It doesn't bother me if somebody else does some things. There are some things up here that people do that people would have considered rude, very rude, you know, where I'm from. But that may not be a thing here. And so uh, there's obviously some differences depending upon where you go, how you're raised, what some people view as wrong, what other people are imposing. And so we have to uh, be aware of that. Some, know when by wisdom it is wise to refrain from an activity and then know when it is wise to confront. So, now look at verse 24. Those are the reasons is for the sake of the gospel to win souls. But verse 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that be to the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now he gives three examples of applications of the very thing that he's been talking about. You have runners. You have athletes, boxers. And then he's going to apply that to himself as a preacher. Okay? Now consider for a moment. A runner. Does a, does a top-end athlete. Now somebody might say, oh, he's gotten that all by God-given talent. Maybe there's some God-given talent in that. But you don't get to the very top level without a discipline, without a work ethic, without being willing to do some things or forego some things that other people, normal people do. Their diets are different. Their, their training is different. Their sleep habits are different. Other activities that other people do that might be okay, but they ha have chosen to miss out on what a lot of other people do in order to be able to reach this level that they ha that have reached. And what they're doing is they're doing it because they have a goal in mind. They visualize themselves crossing that finish line in first place. They've got that aim. And they've done this and they've played it over and over and over in their mind. 
For example, I, I like reading about athletes and uh, the, some of the crazy things that they're willing to do and, and their mindset. How did they get to be where they are? Well, they didn't get to be where they are by being like everybody else. But they got to be where they are because they were willing to give up a lot of things that other people are doing. Michael Phelps uh, has the record for the most gold medals. He had, the, at the youngest age, to win uh, 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 as a male uh, gold medal winner in swimming. But then he also had the record for the oldest age. Now, it's, it's quite amazing how, how many gold medals that he has gotten. Now, you might say, okay, it's just because of his body type. It's just because he has some uh, crazy uh, genetic thing that, that was given. Maybe there's some of that. I'll grant that. But I don't think he got to that level without a lot of a certain attitude and a certain things that he did and didn't do. He said, in order to be the best, you've got to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Now, I'd like to reverse that, and I think that's the point of what Paul is making. In order to have that kind of a mindset of a winner, in order to obtain something that's even more important than what Michael Phelps was reaching for, okay, are you willing to give up some things that other people aren't willing to give up? In order to be able to obtain souls, in order to be able to visualize heaven, now, another thing that Michael Phelps would do, every night he would play this tape in his mind. He visualized every stroke that he made going to the other end of the pool, doing the turn, coming back, and then he, he's visualized, he's played that tape over in his mind, over and over and over, and doing it to perfection, already in his mind. He's already won in his head before he's ever even jumped in that pool on the competition day. That is why he is able to do the amazing feats that he has been able to accomplish. Now, we could learn something from athletes like that. If this man is willing or other athletes are willing to not eat burgers and fries when everybody else is eating burgers and fries, not eat cake at birthday parties when everybody else is eating cake, they're getting up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and they're out there hitting the gym when everybody else is still in bed. If they're willing to do these kinds of things, they're willing to say, okay, I'll pass on going to the movies tonight because I need more sleep. If, if athletes are willing to do things and not do things that other people think, well, that's perfectly fine. If anybody ought to be willing to give up and be motivated for even a better cause, it ought to be Christians. And if that means I don't eat meat, how big of a sacrifice really is that if I give that up in order for the sake of the gospel? And I really believe that's the point that he's driving home with each of these examples. Like a runner who runs, and in and, and, and those races, one is a winner. Now, that's a little different than our race as a Christian because everybody can win. But you should run with the same aim with the same 
zeal or more so because they're imagining being there at the end and they put this wreath on their head made made of I don't know did they make it out of celery or lettuce what what was that and then what's going to happen to that it's going to wilt but they're picturing that glory how many Olympians have visualized standing on that podium some of them would just love to be at the competition some of them just love to be at any place first second or third and then there's others no they're a whole different breed they got to be up there on the top and anything less than that is not acceptable in their mind and that's why they accomplish what they do because they believe in the impossible. They, they have a dream, they have a goal, they have a mindset, and they work day in, day out, day in, day out. It's not one meal, not one healthy meal that's going to get them to that level. It's not one training uh, session that's going to get them to that level. It's every single day doing it for a lifetime to reach the level that they're willing to get to. And so, if they can do it, what's our motivation? For glory for us? So that we can say, I won? Yay me? Or is it that I can see my Savior, I get to be with Him forever in heaven, and if, if I forego something that I'm allowed to do, but I get to see that soul in heaven, and the Lord says to that soul, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Was it that big of a deal for me to give up some meat? It really wasn't that big of a deal. That was not too much of a sacrifice. And I, I think that's the, the point he's driving home. Those who compete in the games, they had the Isthmus games in Corinth. So they would have been familiar with the analogies he's using. Or a boxer. Boxers. Paul says, if I'm going to box, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just kind of hitting the air. I'm, if I'm going to hit something, I'm going to hit something and do some damage. I'm going to aim at it. You could apply this to any other sport. He's just giving you know, the, these examples to make the same point. He's got a goal. He's got to aim. Golfers who are top-level golfers, you know how they get to be that way? A lot of swings. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of reps doing the same thing to get that muscle memory and visualizing, sinking that ball into that, put, into that hole. Knowing it before they ever even stood up there, they've watched themselves do it. A baseball player. Before he steps in the box, if he's going to do well, he's got to believe he's going to get a hit or he's going to hit a home run. The pitcher, if he's going to, if he's going to def defeat that batter, he's got to already in his mind think that he's going to strike him out. Once he doesn't think like that, the battle's already lost in their head. You can watch professional, uh, even, even those on a professional uh, level, you can tell by their body language how well they believe, whether they're believing they're winning or, or believing they're losing, how they give up so easy, how, they, how they're persistent. But we can learn a lot from the persistence, from the dedication, from the discipline, from the self-control that they have, the things they're willing to give up to be weird to the average public in order to reach the goals that they are setting for themselves. 
There's something about what they're trying to obtain that is important to them. But if anything ought to be important to us, it ought to be our own soul and the souls of others. Verse 27, Paul says, now he brings the point home. If these athletes can do these things, then I can do these things or not do certain things. I can keep my body into subjection. That is, I discipline myself. I refuse some things I'm allowed, allowed to do that I know are okay. And there are some things that are wrong. Now think about it this way. Think of what's most important to you. And what are you willing to do to obtain it? Now, there's some people who like the idea of certain things, but they're not willing to do it for very long. They might do it for one day, but not do it for real long. But what would you do? If, if, if let's say, for example, you knew you had a million dollars waiting on you, but all you got to do is not look at that garbage on the Internet that you've been looking at for just decide you're not going to look at that for one month. If you knew you was going to have a million dollars at the end of that, no matter how addicted you are to looking at that, don't you think you could do it? Could you do it if you knew there was a million dollars waiting for you at the end? Or whatever it is that motivated you. But then that doesn't even touch the value of heaven. There are some things that would be good for us to give up. Whatever it is that's preventing you from being right with the Lord or pleasing the Lord or winning souls, are you willing to give that up? And for how long? If you knew the prize at the end and it was worth that much to you. But now Paul says, the reason I do this is when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Some of the translations may say, be disqualified for the prize. So as a, if an athlete... When he's going to compete in a game, how many times have you seen where they won the gold medal, comes out later, they were uh, blood doping, or they were doing steroids, or they broke some rule, okay, and then now the prize is taken back away. They're disqualified. You didn't compete according to the rules. What, what a disgrace. Now, now you, you, you don't get the glory of being the winner. You get the... You get the the embarrassment of cheating. And Paul says, I don't want to do that. And now what I learned here is that this really flies in the face of what a lot of people believe, that you can't lose your salvation. How would you make sense of this verse if this is saying, once saved, always saved? He's saying, I could miss the mark. I could, and here's the thing, preaching is no guarantee that I'm going to be saved. A person can know what to do. A person can say what to do and tell others how to do it and do it very well and still miss it himself. Just because a person is a preacher doesn't mean they're pleasing to God. And Paul recognizes this in himself. How many times have, have, I, have we seen... I knew a, a preacher who had one of the very best lessons on adultery, against adultery, and ended up committing it himself. Knowledge does not guarantee that you're going to do what you know. And so that's where the discipline and the self-control comes in. There are things we've got to be willing to deny ourselves. 
We've got to be willing to refrain and then do it day in and day out. And that's what he's, that's what he's dealing with. Wouldn't it be a shame to teach the gospel to someone and then you don't even make it yourself? Have you known of someone who can tell others that they need to be baptized and then they haven't been baptized themselves? I've heard of situations like that. Now, if you catch me doing something, and I've said something, but now, Andy, you just preached on that, and now you're doing what you said, that, that's where you'd be my friend to, to point out, and I, I ought to be willing to take that constructive criticism. But then also, if that's your case, please know that whenever you're being preached to, the aim is to save your soul, to stir your heart. If you feel guilty about something or if, if, you, if you feel stirred up in you, you realize, okay, I need to make some corrections in my life. Maybe there's some things I need to give up. Maybe there's some things I need to start doing. Then know that the, the aim here is not to embarrass you or to, to shame you to that end, but it's to help you make your life right. Be moved. To come to the Lord and be cleansed by His blood. Believe that He's the Son of God. Be willing to change yourself. Confess that He's Lord. Be baptized. Every sin that you've committed will be forgiven. You don't have to carry that with you. And then if you're a Christian, are you willing to be dedicated? Are, how willing are you to do what you're supposed to do? And not look back and not worry so much about if the other people get to do other things and like you're missing out on something. That's not... Now, you're, if you reach heaven, that prize will be worth whatever sacrifices you've made. And if you miss heaven, you've missed all there is. There is nothing, absolutely nothing more important than obtaining the salvation of your own soul and help bringing as many other souls with you as you possibly can. We don't want you to leave here today without making sure that's right. Whatever way we can help you, won't you come while we stand and as we sing.